Hello, boys and girls of Credit Union Land, and welcome to episode 79 of the CU Insight Experience. This episode is brought to you by our friends at PSCU. As the nation's premier payments QSO, PSCU proudly supports the success of more than 1,500 credit unions. My name is Randy Smith. I'm one of the co-founders of CUinsight.com, and it is my job on the show to have conversations with the best and the brightest of the credit union community. I get to pick their brains and see if we can find a few nuggets that we can all learn from. My guest on today's show is James Wildman. James is the president and CEO of Credit Union One all the way up there in Alaska. I've had the opportunity to get to know James better through this uh, shared experience we all call COVID-19, and I, I really wanted to get him on the show. Uh, this this conversation was a blast. I had so much fun with it. We talked about how James and his team have been tackling projects that may have taken them six months in, in, in six days now. Um, it seems to be the agile world we must all live in and how the work they've been doing to serve their members. And and I I found it interesting and something that I've heard him talk about before, what he believes is here to stay even once we get through this uh, global pandemic. The the leadership section of this show was just awesome. Uh, James shared the leadership lessons he's learned along the way as he's moved up in his career, the importance of mentors and, and how important it is to have a good network around you. And even his advice to internal candidates who might get passed up for that CEO gig uh, the, the first time through. I was glad he was willing to share his story about how he made it to that the CEO position and you know what you could look at as a some bumps along the way. And as always we wrap this up with the rapid fire questions to bring the whole show together. This conversation was so much fun for me to have. I think you're really going to enjoy it too. I, I really do look forward to the next time James and my path cross at a conference to, to pick up on this conversation over a cocktail. Hopefully we'll all be moving around uh, again soon, but until then we do have zoom. Uh, so without further ado, I give you my conversation with James Wildman. Enjoy. James, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. This is going to be a lot of fun, but to start with, how is everything going up in Alaska? Oh, man. So interesting times, just like everywhere else. There's no doubt about that. In Alaska, we're doing really well. We were like in some of the lowest numbers, you know, statewide. We hunkered down pretty early. And I think some of that was seeing the rest of the country. But, uh, you know, we're up here supporting each other as always, doing what we can. Things are just now starting to open back up. And we're seeing some bigger numbers. I'm hopeful that we can keep that balance yeah. going. But, you know, also summer is here. People are getting outdoors more. So there's, you know, there's just some of that going on. But overall, it's going good. That is good to hear. You know, over the past few months, I've heard you talk quite a bit about some of the things that you and your team have been doing at Credit Union One. Uh, a couple things that I found interesting on this from past conversations were like some of the work that maybe you did pre-COVID-19 that, that prepared you for success during this pandemic. But then also, like, what have you seen during this that maybe opened your eyes to, to yeah. you know, some other things? Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, pre-COVID, we were really fortunate. You know, I have a team of big thinkers and doers here. We don't, we take action. You know, when the pandemic started to come on and started to reach Alaska, we pivoted, repurposed a lot of our energy towards making as smooth a transition to contactless service as possible. So we shut down our branch lobbies like a couple of days before it was really recommended or other, a couple other 
credit unions did because they had some cases in their town. Um, but we shut all ours down going for the social distancing and the safety measure, you know, just like everybody else. We've reopened on June 1st, started with a really careful mitigation plan. But in that time, we expanded our e-services to really let our members like get the service they need and also like balance their health, you know, because people yeah, still, yeah. they still needed access. So we, we did a couple of things that we iterated in just nine days. One of them was Zoom video appointments with our members. So it was like, hey, Go to you go to the website, click on the link, schedule your appointment. We you know we had an integration with a couple of technologies to make that happen and drop Zoom appointments right onto folks' calendars for account questions, loan questions. It was really great, super well received. We did a red light, yellow light, green light wait time thing for our drive ups, and we've turned that off since because we're open. But that got used a lot. You know, if this branch was busy, this other one might be not so many people in drive up. Again, with a reiteration of the services available online, getting the employees to work remote was a huge challenge. It was for everybody, obviously, but we managed to transition about a third of our workforce within just a few weeks, which was our IT team was just amazing getting it done. And they were big choices, but you know, the right ones for our people. We bought a lot of laptops, we bought all the headsets, you know, I mean, Finding those things and, and getting the procurements was, was a challenge for our CTO, but made it happen. You know, I was really proud of just the decision we made to waive fees for our members on their spending accounts. Other yeah. people might call them checking accounts during half of March and all of April. It wasn't a decision we broadcasted, but it was one that did, you know, we gave up about three quarters of a million dollars in order to give our Alaskan members some money back in their pockets and frankly, like save them from having to decide like, ah, should I buy groceries or overdraw my account? Like, you know, so, and since, of course, they have turned those fees back on, and I know other institutions did, you know, something similar too. But you, when you talk about a negative net income month, for example, and you point to the fact that you gave money back to the members and you transferred that value, I mean, that's win-win. Right. So, yeah, um, yeah. So we're really proud of that. We're going to keep the Zoom appointment thing going. I yep. was just going to ask you that. Totally. That yep. Yeah. We did. Um, we did some member feedback on it. The other thing we did was a curbside service. So you could like okay. go online, say, I need a debit card replacement. I want to pick it up at the Abbott branch at two o'clock. Show up at two. We bring it out to you. Verify ID, sign. Off you go. Right. Like literal yeah. cur curbside pickup. So we're going to keep both of those things going. And we did some surveying on it, ways to make it better. We'll continue to offer it. Folks are continuing to use it. The way I liken it to is now instead of having to like take your lunch hour, drive 10 or 15 minutes to a branch, hope there's somebody available. Now you can schedule your appointment. You know you'll get with somebody to get you the help you need with your financial service, a loan, new account, questions on your account, whatever it is. And that's worked really well. It's been well received. You know, I've heard even outside of the credit union space, people talking about those kind of just like basic doctor appointments that you used to have to try to go sit in a, you know, for an hour, you know, on your lunch hour or after work or whatever. And now yeah. to be able to schedule it, the doc just pops on and you're like, mm -hmm. yeah, sure prescriptions refilled, whatever it happens to be. Yep. I, I'm wondering how much this will uh, change. There, there's one other story that I, I really wanted to make sure to get out there. And it was a conversation we just recently had, but you, you did mm -hmm. some work with the state of Alaska during this as well. Yep. And, and that seemed like another thing where talk about like 
turning something around quickly. Could you tell our listeners about that project? Yeah, definitely. You know, the COVID efforts I mentioned were impactful on the personal finances. Um, but our credit union, we don't do small business lending. So we didn't get in on PPP. We thought that would be kind of hard to spool up. I admire the credit unions that did, that didn't have that going on. You know, it was a lot to take on. But we did recognize, and we heard from our own uh, members who didn't have accounts elsewhere and couldn't get in on PPP because they weren't existing, you know, uh, members or customers at other institution. So we began researching other options. What we ended up finding and what it became was the AK Cares grant program. The state's Department of Commerce, it's a long name, Commerce, Community and Economic Development, right? What state name isn't? Partnered with another entity of the state called ADA. They're the uh, Alaska Industrial Development Export Authority. And they, with money that they got from the federal CARES relief, put together this program and then chose us to be their facilitator to operate a grant program. So it really meant we had to like flex our agility um, and (laughs) really like, you know, recognize a few different elements of the operation. So like, for instance, we needed a niche group of our lending team to take care of the grant application processing. That meant taking folks out of branches like member services officers, for example, to make up for the consumer loan side, like the phone queue side and, and some of that processing. Um, branch managers and assistants, then they pick up the work in the lobby because the work, you know, the lobbies are reopening now, right? And then um, I'm happy to report that the setup is running smoothly in that sense. And, we're, you know, we're hoping to provide around up to $150 million in relief to the Alaskan businesses that need it. The other cool thing about it and something Alaska kind of different is there's 20% of those funds set aside for what's like called the uh, rural remote access. And those are for communities that have 5,000 residents or less, which is most of the state, frankly. Um, You know, there's the big populations in Anchorage, of course, but it's pretty awesome and unique to our state that the state recognized, you know, there are folks that were able to get assistance with PPP, but there's still this other group of businesses out there that might need some help. And we're in the second week of it. So it's been interesting, but it's really shown me how the credit union can make a difference, you know, where really it wasn't in obviously anybody's business plan to go through the pandemic, but certainly then also to add this onto the plate. It was, you know, it was a lot and they've stepped up to it, which is just really great to see with the staff. I, I would assume that's opening up, I'll use the, the CUNA line, opening up eyes to other people in Alaska, yeah. maybe business owners to, you know, your credit union that yeah. maybe weren't aware of before since they kind of have to go through you. <laughs> yeah, no, totally. And, you know, it's interesting because there is another tranche is what they're calling it, you know, where they are looking for another operator to get in to get money out fast, which is great. When we got into it, it was really about how can we help, you know, all yep. the way back to the early days of the pandemic, the governor was having calls with, with business leaders. And I was on a couple of those calls and, you know, hey, what can we do? What ideas are out there? And so for us, it was just, a, it's flat out a way to help. There will be like you said, there will be some stickiness of those business members because, you know, we were able to help, which is awesome. You know, if we're able to provide them a service now or down the road that meets their needs, I'm all for it. But for us, it was really just like, you know, one, one of our mottos, and I'll probably end up saying this a couple of times, is we help where others can't or won't. You know, that's one of our driving things here at the credit union. And this was a way to do that. So... I love that. So do you think everything we've talked about, you I mean the Zoom meetings, the, the curbside service, mm-hmm. do you think that this will change the way that members interact with the credit union going forward? Oh, yeah. I mean, it already has. And so for a while, and I haven't heard this phrase in a couple of weeks, which is awesome. 
But then also, like, I'm recognizing maybe it's still there where people are like, oh, we got to get back to normal. Like, yeah. nope, normal's that normal is done, right? We're where we are today and we're where we are moving forward. So I think it's an opportunity where we showed our passion to help Alaskans help our members, you know, be better, look for better ways to serve them. The state is so diverse and spread out. Um, and so for us, it wasn't just about like, well, they can't come to our branch. For us, it's always been about how do we reach more people in yeah. Alaska? You know, we are the only state charter credit union. We have the state as our field of membership. There's 10 credit unions that are headquartered here. There's not, I mean, there's 700,000 people. So people are like, only 10? Like, maybe I'll go to Alaska. Like, yeah, the water's warm. But um, <laughs> you know, but it really is truly for us an opportunity to have innovated faster, make things happen faster for our members than ever before. You know, I think it really on one of the calls that we had recently that you and I were both on, we talked about that, you know, where we'd say like, oh, a project's going to take you six months. And now it's like, no, I need it in six days. Yep. And, <laughs> you know, credit to um, credit to our, our my great management team, our employees, and the folks that, you know, boots on the ground making the work happen, like they made it happen, you know, yeah, so it, it absolutely has to change the way we're going to do things going forward. It can't be the same. So it, this kind of plays into this question, but it, it has been amazing the past few months to watch how quickly and how agile credit unions have been. Is there something that you think going forward that credit unions need to, to fundamentally change, maybe from that 30,000 foot blimp level mm-hmm. to stay competitive, to stay relevant in this fast paced financial services world that we we all swim in, right? Yeah. I think like from my perspective, it's that now more than ever, and we've all paid lip service to this in the past, but we have to really truly be proactive. Like we have to be finding the things and doing the things that need to happen. And it's tough. Like that's not easy, but for us, our, you know, my philosophy and our philosophy here is it's far better than just letting life or business happen to you. Right. So at credit union one, We talk about all the time, we're continuing to grow. We're going to adapt. We're going to find new ways to provide that excellent service to our members. And the opportunities are there to reach the goals, especially in this time of crisis. We've talked about that internally. You see it out in the uh, the LinkedIn sphere and other social media, you know, avenues. Um, And for us as a credit union, um, we make our own magic here. So we're always like, we're willing to put in the work to keep that up. And then as a whole for the, credit union uh, movement or industry, whichever your preference is, they're both true. And we're all credit unions in it together. Uh, Absolutely. Doesn't really matter which one you like to use, right? But we need to keep putting our members first in the good times, the tough times. And with that mindset, our future is absolutely bright. Yeah. You know, so I agree with you. That's for sure. Uh, All right. So the last question in this section, if we were to sit down a year from now, what are you most proud of that you and the team at Credit Union One have accomplished if you had to break out that crystal ball? Wow. Um, (laughs) I think so. I think I'll be impressed, but not surprised how we adapted and we were able to flourish despite the uncertain time. Again, something none of us have ever gone through. Absolutely. So I, I think that qualifier like we think it's important because we're in that time right now. Right. But like just a few months ago, all of our employees learned how to do their job from home virtually overnight (laughs) while maintaining teamwork, while maintaining communication. I mean, we did, we added Slack, we added zoom. uh, Thankfully we had a, we had a different video product, but we went to zoom, which had just more robust capabilities. Our members like their in-person avenues of service, their habits, 
totally their own personal lives, right? Totally changed as well. And uh, they still, what's awesome is they still used us as much as they ever did. They yeah. shifted the access point. We, we dropped about a third in our branch transaction traffic and it shifted to call center, which had the biggest month in April that we've ever had. We have this thing here called the PFD where Alaskans get money every year. And that's a crazy month. Like I'm talking about thousands of logins to online access, thousands of calls, right? And April was bigger than all of that because we had stimulus, we had Corona, we had, you know, we had it all. And it was just really awesome with the team that for all that shifted, we're able to overcome that and still meet their needs. And the members were able to overcome it and still use us. And for me, that's like, it's just supportive of the creative ways we work to serve people. And it speaks to what we believe in, which is just from our board of directors who are always supporting us in these, yeah, try that. Yeah, try this. Yeah, do that. I don't know if that's going to work, but they, but they always support us to like, you know, the members who kept using us to like employees who were just making it happen. You know, we talked about on one of the calls, how performance is on demand, but also like employees, they want to know what they can do to make that difference. And I'm just so grateful to our employees because they stepped up, they stayed together, they made it work with the members, they made it work with each other. You know, we threw in this um, AK Cares grant you know, <laughs> project on top of it. And you look back a year from now and say like, wow, you know, we really were able to make something happen fantastic that's that's pretty cool i I think a lot of people are going to have those after this year where they look back and they're like yeah we did all right there (laughs) (laughs) i really i truly hope so because every crisis brings that opportunity absolutely all all you have to do is go find it right so i know a lot of credit unions did i hope they tell those stories i hope they share them you know and, and give the credit where credit's due to the staff to the members to to everybody who persevered through it you know it's just it's really awesome. It, it really is. I'd like to move on to the second part of the show, the leadership and life hacks. Uh, you know, oh, yeah. First question, what inspired you to take the gig as president and CEO of Credit Union One? You know, it's, um, <laughs> the opportunity to run a credit union for me, especially coming to this credit union, was working for a credit union that truly makes a difference. For four years, I ran a small credit union. It's called Alps Federal Credit Union, my hometown in Sitka, Alaska. Shout out to The Rock. And, um, you know, meanwhile, Credit Union One, of course, was known in the state, second largest credit union, and doing all the things community service-wise that I wanted to do, you know, for for my, I wanted my credit union to do. And when the chance came up to come work here 10 years ago and move to Anchorage, you know, I took it. And I got to open a branch in an underserved, underserved part of Anchorage that hadn't had a financial institution branch in over 23 years. The citizens of that area of town about 50% had access to a car, not owning a car, but access. So a lot of bus traffic, a lot of walking, right? So we were able to go on there. That was incredible. Um, I like to say I moved up a few times from there and learned a lot more about the credit union. And I was the essentially the COO in 2016. And I had the opportunity to be the interim president CEO for about six months. And then we had a job search. I was uh, one of you know the leading internal candidate. They hired somebody from the outside, um, which totally, you know, that's the way this works sometimes. That person was here for about a year, a little over a year. And then I got the opportunity in January of 2018 to get the job. And it's just like, it's everything I thought it would be when I took the job, you know, awesome team of employees, 
all the things we've done in the last two years. So it's just been, uh, it's been an incredible journey from that standpoint. So, so something I'd like to ask you on that, when Tom Kane from uh, the Illinois League was on the podcast, he talked about, you know, being the top internal candidate, getting passed over, they bring in somebody from the outside, but funny how the world can work. And all of a sudden, you know, a year later, you get the job. And I had asked him the question too. a lot of people would have left then or thought that the opportunity had passed them by went someplace else. What what made you stay, put your head down, support the credit union and, you know, any any, I guess, tips or hacks for people maybe that find themselves in the similar position? (laughs) Well, I think, you know, first of all, you just have to recognize and having gone through it. I mean, it was four years ago, but at the time it felt like um, you know, it was one of the biggest challenges of my professional career to be transparent and totally honest about it. You know, you're like, you were right there, but not quite right there. Right. So, okay. Well, what do I need? What is it? What is it I'm lacking? What do I need to learn? How do I need to better myself? What can I learn from this person that's coming in over me, you know, to do the job? And I always say when you have a boss or you are a boss, you have an opportunity to be, I think Colin Cowherd said it, you know, a shining example or a terrific warning, right? Yep. And so there's always, there's things you can learn to do. There's things you can learn not to do. And and it's on you in that position to take that on. And for me, it was just, I really loved working for this credit union. I loved my peers. I loved the people that I, I work with and the things that we were doing. My family was pretty rooted in Anchorage. You know, it had been six years we weren't, you know, definitely were those opportunities there. Absolutely. But at the same time, like, eh, let's see, you know, let's see how we do. Let's see how we go. Let's see what's happening. And um, I'm a big believer in things happen for a reason. And they and timing happens for a reason. So, you know, in this case, it worked out. And the advice piece to your question, yeah. um, you know, stick it out for a minute. See what's what. See what can make you better. Um, if you decide for yourself that that's not going to work and you got to go down the road, nobody's going to fault you for that. Right. You know? yeah. but but, give, it a, um, give it a minute, maybe. Right? Yeah. Like, <laughs> but, yeah, seriously, like give yeah. it a minute, you know, see, see what's happening. And uh, it worked for me. May not work yep. for everybody, but it did, <laughs> it did work out for me. And I I'm glad. Good it advice. Yeah. I mean, it, it seems like it does. So before I go too much further here, I, I yeah. had an uncle who taught for years in Sitka, Alaska. Oh, wow. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Mike yeah. Kimber. So. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, I it's a, it's a familiar name, but I don't, yeah, no, I don't no, know. Yeah, yeah, no, he was like, uh, I think he might've been a wrestling coach or something too, but uh, wow. like, now I think he lives in Anchorage actually after he retired and you know, all of that. So oh, cool. <laughs> I, it's a small world. He? He was in Sitka, and I think, is it Unicolique or something? Yep. I think that was another place where he taught. Yeah, yeah. So. yeah absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> that's can... like, um, I mean, Sitka's rural Alaska, Unicolique uh, would be like remote Alaska. Like yeah, it's yeah, yeah. Totally what, different. Uh, he moved from Michigan, grew up in Metro Detroit, went up to the UP of Michigan, then out to like, I think it was Montana, then to Alaska, and just kept getting more and more remote, right? So, <laughs> as I said, he went, but he's still in Alaska. That's pretty cool. Going back to, you know, getting the job of CEO, once you got that, that you got that chair, mm-hmm. how has the inspiration at all changed, you know, being the boss? Yeah, I, you know, it's still like for all that we've accomplished, you know, things have shifted for us from a like defensive stance of like, what just happened? You know, a couple of years ago, we had this little 7.0 earthquake come out of nowhere. And uh, I was actually sitting in this chair when it happened. I was on the phone. 
And uh, it was like, oh, we had a little tremor. And then like the freight train came for 45 seconds and it was, wow. you know, cabinets were shaking and, uh. and uh, all of that kind of stuff. And then it's like, you know, from that, and even really for the first couple of years, like, what do we need to fix? It was almost like a, not like a jump start because I'd been in, in the role for, you know, almost a year at that point. It happened in November, but it really like showed us once we got some of this stuff that we needed to from a defensive or reactive standpoint to go on that playing offense mindset of what can we do next? What do we need to do? Like I said earlier, we believe in helping where other people won't or can't, you know, other institutions. And it's just incredible to see what these employees can do, Randy. It's like truly amazing because I think my job is to get people what they need to do the work and then like get out of their way and support <laughs> them, right? But I've also come to realize that like these great ideas, they need to be explored and vetted. And it might be something that's really going to make a difference for us. And if, and it's okay to fail fast if it doesn't fit. You know, we tried the MRB banking piece, for example, here. And, uh, you know, the businesses weren't quite using us the way that we thought. It, it didn't work. It ended up being that uh, proverbial, you know, round peg, you know, yep. square peg, yep. round hole, yep. round peg, square hole, depending on which way you like to, you know, say that <laughs> phrase. Because uh, none of us ever get it quite right. But like once it didn't fit for us, then making that decision like, okay, this isn't going to work. You know, we failed fast. And then take what you learned in those experiences, platform them forward to make yourself a better organization. And so now for us, the inspiration is like, what can we do next? Like we do these great things, but there are more great things that we could be finding and doing. I'll tell you, I think that failing fast and pulling the plug on something you thought would work is yep. probably one of the toughest things to learn. <laughs> um, but, yeah. but boy, does it, it make a huge difference, right? You don't, you don't want to carry the boat anchor for yeah, longer than you need to. <laughs> you have to, right? Yeah. You, you've talked about your team a lot and the amazing work that they've been doing. Is there something they've heard you say so many times they can finish your sentence? You know, that's interesting. I think if, uh, and maybe this is like a self-awareness moment, right? Like <laughs> nothing's coming to mind. So I could probably go ask them and they'd be like, this, they'd all say this, it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But no, there's not, I don't know, not one thing out there like that. I don't think. Uh, that's all right. So, you know, one of the things that I, I noticed, I think a lot, quite a bit over the first season was people talking about that ability to sometimes the buck stops with you, that that idea that, you know, that CEO chair can be a lonely chair in between the rest yep. of the staff and the board. The buck kind of stops with you. Have you always been good at making that tough decision? Is that a quality that you've built up in yourself over over the years? Any? <laughs> so like, um, you know, that fine line between arrogance and self-confidence, right? And right. One, of those, one of those is great and one of them is not. Um, <laughs> you know, I think um, the short answer is no, I haven't always been great at that. I think if we talk about just the now, like, thanks, COVID-19, tough decisions are coming at you rapid fire <laughs> uh, for so many leaders right now. And if you had trouble making decisions before the pandemic, you either got better or you probably got gone. Yeah, right. you probably get it, run over, it's, right? It's yeah. been a trip. But the initial effort to be better at this for me actually came from my executives, what we call it the C-suite here. A couple of years ago, early in my start as CEO, like like I've told you, I have a great team, yeah. mixed in experience, time at the credit union, time in their careers, you know, diverse in all the ways that I'm just blessed and happy to have as a leader and that you'd want as a leader. You know, Davina Napier is our chief lending officer. She's been with the credit union for 25 years. Rachel Langtree's Chief Operating Officer, she's been with us for 15 years. 
Mark Burgess joined the team here a couple of years ago, but has, you know, extensive experience in IT previously outside of the credit union realm, actually, which was fantastic for us because it let us look at things differently. And then Chad Bostic, our CFO, you know, they're all still with me today. And when we started out as a team, we ended up having this really great discussion about how things, you know, work, but often lacked like the decision, the go, no go. And really they were able to tell me like that that's what they needed, right? This <laughs> is on me. Yeah. And so I had to get better at it a couple of years ago, really. That's a good team if they can call yeah. you out on that, right? And they, like, you're you know, and every every leader, every CEO, like, oh, I'm totally approachable. And, you know, I like to think I am. I want to be better than I am. But I know because they're able to come with, to me with, you know, stuff like this. And so what that does now is they're really great at presenting the information and the reasons for a direction or something that we need to consider. And so as the leader, like, you you can make the decision and you've got, I, I had to become more decisive. Yeah. Um, you want the good information. And sometimes you have to make that decision with imperfect information, right? Absolutely. The known, yeah. known knowns and known unknowns and all that. But um, I'm very fortunate to have a team to work with that they can do that. We can make those decisions. And especially the decisiveness that's been needed the last couple of months. You know, like, hey, I think oh, it's, time, it's time to close the branches. Ooh, should we? Like, it didn't work like that. Like, <laughs> no. Yep, we, we need to close the branches. Or, hey, I think, you know, we should try this. Yep, let's try it. Or, hey, what about this? You know, let's let's cut fees. Yep. Like, let's do just it. do it. Yep. Go. You know, because there wasn't time. Yeah, didn't you didn't have that. That's for sure. That's, we've seen that over and over. Has there been a piece of advice or a life lesson that you've found yourself going back to, you know, over your career? I think like, like true leadership as a president and CEO of this, of an organization like ours, it's not a one person show, right? You yeah, have to, yeah. you have to kindle that fire in others. You want to encourage that ability in your team. You want to set people up for that success. Like I said earlier and make, you know, make tough decisions when it's time to make the decisions. Like that's what we're here to do. And, you know, we need to see the big air quotes here, the big picture, but you really yeah. truly do. You need to, you know, make sure that everybody's working together so that these decisions resonate and they're impactful. So when I look back on my career and I said it earlier about that fine line between arrogance and confidence, right? <laughs> I mean, time, experience, and a willingness to learn. That's the bridge from like there to where you're trying to go. And for me, and you know, from an advice standpoint, like it's a constant process. You don't just stop it. You have to keep it. You have to keep going. You have to keep learning, whatever that's been. And so, um, when uh, you say like, oh, what's the big takeaway or the lesson, right? And I, I've learned this early in my career, like this work is going to get done. Our credit union's bigger than any one person. Yeah. And I think finding out early on that the work will get done and things will continue with you doing it <laughs> or, or without you. Um, <laughs> it, it makes me and hopefully makes you want to give like that best effort while you have the opportunity and the privilege to be doing whatever the job that it is that you're in and doing that work. Like you, you have to keep that going. You can't just, you know, it's not a turn it on, turn it off. It's, Absolutely. you know, constant process. You know, one of the other things that I noticed in the first season of the show was mentors. So many people talked about them. Have you had mentors throughout your career? It, you know, how have they, you know, helped 
get you to where you are today if you have. Yeah, sure. You know, we have a legacy CEO here at the credit union, Leslie Ellis, who was CEO for about 30 years. Yeah. Um, took, it, took it from that traditional small, you know, 50 billion yeah. to, <laughs> you know, it, I think it was around 800 million when she retired. And she's always been a mentor of mine. She was a mentor of mine when I was at Alps. Um, okay. Has been an, an awesome person and a really good sounding board in that sense, even before I became a CEO. So that was cool. My first CEO in Credit Union Land, Gary Sturton, he's the CEO at Animus in Farmington, New Mexico today. He's another one. I actually turned him down to go to work for him and learn Credit Union Land right out of college. You know, I, went, I grew up in Sitka, I went to Juno for college. He offered me a job and I was like, no, nah, I'm going to move to Raleigh for a couple of years. <laughs> and then luckily he gave me another shot, you know, a couple of years down the road to come back, you know, and that's yeah. like literally that's how I got into credit unions. Right. Uh, so, um, so he's, and he's someone I touch base with, you know, as frequently as I can. I have a network of people from WCMS, Western Kingdom Management School that I went to school with Epsilon 2007 you know, shout out from all the way back in that day. Yeah. To, um, also, like more recently, I did the Q's CEO Institute. Yeah, And yeah, a, yeah. a lot of people from those programs, people like Scott Dawkins at Twinstar or Jeff Bullock at Firefly, Sam Linus at Oregonians, um, yep. you know, yeah. Shauna Shearson at Valley Strong. These are people like you go through those experiences together. You, you spend late nights, sometimes at a bar, <laughs> sometimes while you're studying for a test. Um, they really like almost like peer mentors and just, you know, classmate mentors because they learn you, they can tell you about yourself. You, you can go to them with something and say like, Hey, am I reading this wrong? They don't have all the context you have. So they'll ask the good questions. Like, I think it's really important to have tr true traditional mentors, but also like a network of people who will uh, also provide that, that role for you because it's a really good way to kind of self-check and self-regulate. I couldn't agree with you more there. Before we move on to the last part of the show, I want to be respectful of your time. But if you have a free day, there's nothing on the calendar. Mm -hmm. What passions do you have outside of credit unions? What does James do to recharge? Um, you know, I really... So it's funny because we always talk about work-life balance. And I suck, <laughs> at, I suck at it just as much as the next leader. <laughs> right. um, and when my wife uh, listens to this later, if, if she listens, she'll, she'll be nodding her head. But yeah. um, I really do like to go camping, spend time with my family. We just went camping this last weekend. We're going to go, not this weekend, but uh, next um, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And um, she's also started doing like, uh, she's built some garden boxes. So I'm really okay. good. At, like, I'm good at holding the board on the chop saw while she does the measuring. And, <laughs> she does and everything. Else. And, you know, hand me this, give me that. And also just like, if I have like the perfect day, somehow I find myself in Los Angeles and I go to a Laker game ah. and, uh, you know, taking one of those, which in today's times, we now realize we took for granted. Yes, yeah, <laughs> the, was good to the, say. the ability. So, um, that, you know, that live professional sports might be a yeah, little while for all of or, us. So. Or, or even on TV. I'm happy yeah. to attend those two, but um, <laughs> and I'm looking forward to you know even whatever the the seasons become for sports. It's been really interesting how that part of our lives being kind of jostled affected other things yeah know, oh that, for sure yeah. it's funny you mentioned the garden boxes as jill and i walk 
multiple times a day it seems like now because there's not much else to do um but uh it's we've noticed uh everybody got in the beginning of the pandemic it seemed like once the weather got nice in connecticut everybody was building garden boxes before that yep. everybody was getting puppies and peloton bikes so yep. Um, yep. <laughs> the garden boxes you, you've participated that's yeah the internal good. the internal focus on the home and the family unit i think has really like it's been kickstarted, you know, or your circle of friends, you know. Yep, absolutely. Um, I yeah. agree with you. Mm-hmm. It'll be interesting to see how this all shakes out, you know, years down the road from this experience. Yep. So uh, last part of the show, the rapid fire questions. The questions are rapid. Your answers don't have to be. So okay. what, was, what was James like in high school? And do you remember uh, the first time you got in memorable trouble? I was, uh, oh boy. So first of all, I never got caught. I mean, uh, I was always, <laughs> I was always good. Um, yeah. <laughs> so I was. I mentioned earlier, I grew up in Sitka, right? That's Baranoff Island in Southeast Alaska. Not the Sitka you saw in the proposal movie, people. I, right, I need right, to be clear yeah, about yeah. that. Was Sandra Bullock? <laughs> that movie was shot in Maine, uh, although it was based in Sitka. Um, I was actually voted most outgoing by my classmates, which was something I never thought of until I like saw it in the yearbook, and I was yeah. like, "Well, that's pretty cool." So you know. <laughs> Shout out to the class of 92, 92 rules, the rest rules. But uh, yeah, I was outgoing and, you know, like to hang out and do fun things with uh, all of the classmates. And yeah, we graduated the same year. That's right. <laughs> it, it's because we're awesome. Right. That must be it. So, uh, so you, you mentioned getting into the career in credit. You did. Uh, yep. Most of us stumbled into this one way or another. What did you want to be growing up? I always thought outer space was the way to go. Like, um, but math and science and other similarly related subjects, like that, that kept outer space safe from me. Yeah. Um, but um, I'd go tomorrow if I could. I was really happy to see SpaceX nail oh, the recent launch. Like, that you was know, so cool. We, we, you know, growing up in that era of uh, space shuttle, you know, flights and and all those sorts of things, I just thought, man, like if they ever like had the lottery and like, yeah. Oh, it's you. I'd be like, you know, check with the life insurance company. And then I'm, <laughs> That'd be and then I'm, I'm, I'm probably going anyway. Yeah. <laughs> it's worth the risk. Yeah. Uh, do you have any daily routines that you have to do or else your day just feels off? You know, I don't, but I think about it, you know, sometimes I think when like something shifts in the day, that's not the norm you notice, but when you're going through the norm, you don't really think about it too much, right? I get that. So, yeah. Okay. Now I'm really, since we're the same age, I'm really interested to ask you this question. Okay. What's the best yeah. album of all time? That one you can listen so, to without skipping a song. You know, what's funny about this is, so like the Eagles greatest hits LP, right? When uh, we were, we were like five. Yeah. Um, I, I love that album. It was yeah, there. Seven, to it. Yeah. 71 to like 76 hits. I asked for it for Christmas. I got two of them, you know, 78 speed LP. I just thought that was awesome. But also like, as I grew, I'll take any Van Halen album to a desert Island van, (laughs) you know, I'll take David Lee Roth or Van Hagar, you know, the Gary Sharon years. eh, It's dicey, but I'd probably still take it. Um, And then also like, because, you know, I was born in New Mexico, but my parents were cowboys and cowgirls, so to speak. My mom was uh, spent time. Her dad had raised horses uh, when she was younger. And my dad had a horse in high school and would go out riding. You know, we had horses when we lived in New Mexico, but it was before I could really ride. Um, So country music was always a part of our sounds around the house, along with the Eagles or Molly Hatchet or, you know, whatever. And so um, George Strait for me is kind of another Uh, go-to in music, but I really, truly like, like, all the 
you know, if I get a mix station that's on point, I'm very happy with it. You know, Jill and I are readers. You can see we have a stack of books behind us. Uh, you know, yeah, and, you do. and so many have been recommended from guests on the show. Is there mm-hmm. a book that you either have bought or gifted for others, or that you just think everybody should read? So I think anything Pat Lincioni, like Ideal Team Player, is totally, totally legit. I think that one was really great. There's a book on uh, running a business called Traction by Gina Wickman that I thought was pretty cool. It's more for like an entrepreneurial type stance, but it it has applications that we've used here at the credit union. And then, you know, again, shout out to my Lakers. I'll I'll read any book that any Laker has written, even the bad (laughs) ones. But in general, like I will say, and I have given these types of books out before or shared them or, you know, said you should read them. And that's sports books in general. Um, written by coaches, written by players, especially. Um, You just learn so much about them as individuals, which is great. But you also learn about like the framework of teams, the leadership that it takes sometimes to succeed in that realm. And a lot of it, you know, it's not based in business. So it's enjoyable to read. I mean, business books are great to read. But when you're in business, it can, you know, it's a lot of business if you're taking, you know, so I really enjoy the fact that I can, read some books along those lines or even other books that are out there. And there are always applications to what you're doing, either in your personal life or your work life. So, absolutely, um, yeah. as you've gotten older, what's become more important to you? And my favorite part of this question, mm-hmm. what's become less important? So when I was 25 and knew almost everything, you know, I, like I said, I had moved to Raleigh for a couple of years and I, I learned that like where you live is what you make of it. So I I wanted to move back to Sitka and I did. And I had what I thought was just like the absolute dream job until the opportunity to come to Credit Union One came along. Um, And so for me, like the thing that you'd say like, oh, what do you want to tell yourself from the past? Or what do you want to make sure you don't forget? Like, I think it's important to live in the moment and enjoy. And I'm not, I'm not great at this. That is but not I, one of my strong suits, but but I really, <laughs> but I really want to be, and um, <laughs> and then at the same time, I think it's like important to be looking ahead because that next moment is coming at you, whether you're ready or not. Right, That's so true. you, you want to be open to those things and not just uh, not just you know kind of blindly go through it. There's a question I don't send. I know you said you listen to the podcast, oh, but it's funny yeah. that people don't uh, prepare for this one, even okay. when they do. When you hear the word success, who is the first person that comes to mind? Oh, wow. I don't. A uh, literal blank on a person because there's a lot. Success is hard to define. I think, especially in these times, like I think about, um, you know, events, current events in our country, right? Like super super impactful events are really important for people like at least important for me i'll speak for myself to get better about so i think i think success is like look how far we've come look how far we have yet to go yeah. and it's almost it's almost like success is elusive and you're continually striving for it but it's it, i think it's there it can be defined and you know what it is and you, you know it when you get it you know it when you help accomplish it to me, it's it's seeing like in our membership, when I get one of those stories from our members about how we made a difference in their life by giving them a loan or opening an account and, uh, you know, helping them save. Like, what better success is that when you can make somebody else's life better, when you can, I mean, we put our passion to work in this business because of the impact we can have on so many others and on our communities. And that's like, that's super important. 
especially now, like today in this time, like people might listen to this podcast a couple of years later and be like, what was going on then? Like <laughs> there was a lot going on then, you know, we came out of a pandemic. We've got yeah. a opportunity to socially improve ourselves as a society. I think that's uh it's pretty awesome, you know, to be here in this time. And as hard as those things might be to talk about, to work through, to have those discussions like that opportunity is there for us. It'll make us better. So, you know, let's jump in and do it. I think that is the perfect way to wrap up the show. I, I thank you so much for taking the time today. If uh, people have additional questions of you, which I'm sure they probably will, uh, oh LinkedIn, Twitter machine, email, is there a preferred method or preferred What's your point? So it's, um, you know, LinkedIn probably is best for this, right? Because yep. it's easy to find. And you, you, <laughs> you, I mean, you and I are connected. So you can just grab the link, right? You're uh, I will link to that and we will send them your yeah. way. You'll sure. see me. You can see me on all the socials. If you want to follow Laker posts from James, I've got you covered on <laughs> Facebook. If you, uh, you know, if, it's funny. I even have Snapchat mostly to check on the kids. But right. you yeah. Know, yeah. there's also and uh, TikTok, right? That's another fun one. Again, Totally to check on the kids, not to go down the rabbit hole for 30 minutes watching videos of other people doing different <laughs> stuff. So I'm not I love it. Yeah. <laughs> well, we will link to everything. Thank you again, James, for being on the show. Stay yeah. healthy, my friend, and I hope you have an amazing day. Yeah, thank you for having me, Randy. It's been awesome. Hi to Jill and, and Crosby and everybody at home, and uh, be well. Uh, you too. Thank you, sir. Before we go, I would just like to take a moment to give say a big thank you to you, our listeners. Without you, we could not be having this much fun doing what we do. Uh, and a big thank you to James for taking the time out of his busy schedule to share his experience with all of us. And, and of course, uh, uh, just a huge thank you to our sponsor, PSCU. Our friends at PSCU have been longtime friends and supporters and partners of CU Insight. So please take the time to click on their links in the show notes and give them some love see all the amazing stuff they have going on to, to help the credit union community also we're on all the podcast players apple spotify pandora stitcher iHeartRadio. radio you pick it we're on it we would appreciate if you would subscribe leave a five-star rating maybe even a review on the old apple podcast machine it helps with the visibility of the show if you don't think we're worth the five stars as always just reach out to me forget i asked uh, t- about the reviews and uh, we can figure out how we can improve so you think we're worth that five stars and don't forget about the CU Insight Experience podcast book list. Need some uh, stimulation for the old mind while social distancing? We've got you covered. Get your next book recommendation from the guests on our show. Thank you all again for listening. I hope you have a great day and please stay healthy, friends. 